This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. He's the Welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, the college editor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Ishmael Johnson, alongside Carter Yates. Carter, what's up, buddy? Doing good today. We're in the full uh, Conference USA slate of just football every day of the week now. It, it is very weird that like you'll just turn on ESPN on Wednesday, and it's or yesterday was uh, Liberty and Jacksonville State, mm-hmm. which came down the wire. Yeah, every day of the week except Monday. They, they like seed Monday to the NFL, and then it's like every other week, though. We're in that stretch day. of there's like, what, 50 days straight of football every day? God, it's it's kind of crazy. It's um, awesome. It's kind of awesome is what it is. <laughs> I, I, we can talk. I think that's probably a good offseason topic for like in terms of like what do coaches think about playing on weekdays? Because like Conference USA basically was like, yeah, we kind of lost a lot of our firepower in terms of like brand recognition with UNT and UTSA and schools like that leaving, but we're just going to own the midweek <laughs> and yeah. we're trying to like, they're trying to carve a new lane, which like I see the vision, but I'm also like, I don't know how these coaches like preparing for a Tuesday, Wednesday game. Well, it's also one of those things too, is when they talk about like, oh, I don't want to play on Friday nights to compete with high school football. It's sure. Like, if I play on Tuesday night, I'm competing with middle school football too. So like, you gotta <laughs> you gotta go see those you gotta go see those seventh graders, man. You gotta exactly. know which ones you yeah. Gonna... I mean, they need their shine too. <laughs> the city's gonna be out in full force at the middle schools. Uh, Mallory Hartley is also with us. Hi, Mallory. Oh, uh oh, is your mic not on? Are you? Wow. Well. Okay, anyway, Mallory's mic's not on. She fixes that. Uh, but, yeah, no, midweek game, it was pretty cool. Uh, I saw a little bit of Liberty and Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State won, lost now? Yeah, I th- uh, Jacksonville State won, loss. Also, I put Western Kentucky on our midweek picks. Our mid- midseason picks is yeah. like the Conference USA champion, and they lost on a Wait, a field did you goal see the field down. goal, though? That's right. No, the, the kicker, yeah, the kicker the tripped, kicker or he slipped, fell. and he, he kicked, made and it. Like, and it like, his leg like, took it under like, him. I was like, like, it, that, this is this is peak conference USA right here. This is peak conference USA. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. Peak, uh, peak Tuesday football, middle yeah. of October. Peak Tuesday, Tuesday football, football, baby. Uh, but on today's show, uh, we'll go through the games of the week, obviously, like we do every week. Uh, we do have some headlines. We'll talk about the power poll in a bit. Um, actually, what, do we, what should we do first? Should we do the power poll first? Or should we do the the big story from yesterday first? Big story from yesterday first. All right. Uh, A&M fans, sorry. We got to talk about it. Uh, Draylon Miller. DCTF five star, uh, you know, rated by some as a four star. We think he's good enough to be a five. Uh, wide receiver out of Silsby, Texas, decommits from Texas A and M. Um, he was on a visit along with Terry Bussey. Terry Bussey. Uh, yeah. Oh, he wasn't just on that visit by himself. No, he, I, no. I see. I don't know if they were both like they're together or they were just both on official visits. To get, but like, they were both at LSU this past yeah. weekend, um, and mm-hmm. of course the same weekend that A and M loses to Tennessee. Back-to-back loss in the SEC after losing to Alabama. LSU, again, we'll see what LSU is under Brian Kelly, but there is better vibes coming out of Baton Rouge uh, than College Station right now. And, yeah, Draylon Miller, you know, he from what we've heard, and you can you can go read Greg Power's story, he talked to Draylon Miller about it, 
And from what it looks like, obviously LSU is going to be the rumor mill uh, leader because after the official visit. But he's he does seem to be open to – I don't want to say like there's a lot more schools, but like he does have a, a list of like three or four it looks like. Um, I don't know if A&M's yeah, on the list. Yeah, I don't list. even think A&M was even on the list. I don't think A&M's I don't think back they are. on the list. So sorry, Aggie fans. I think he is out. Um, but, we, you know, I would probably pencil him in if I had to pick today, LSU. But – uh, we'll see. Well, it also doesn't help that LSU had a four-star wide receiver decommit. I was about to say when when that news came out, I forgot his name. It was um, yesterday, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and usually. So, how for those of you that don't know, uh, Joseph Stone was the guy's name. It was a four-star wideout, right? Um, for those of you that don't know, there are obviously an allotted amount of offers that can go out, or not offers, commits, uh, scholarships. You can offer as many kids as you want, mm-hmm. right? But you know, th- there are certain things like what they call committable offers, right? What they what they consider like offers that it's it gets very nebulous sometimes it gets very shady when it gets to some teams um there are some schools that only offer guys that they want to commit right there are some guys who maybe offer a guy just to kind of keep a tab on him but like that's not a committable offer so he really the kid knows he probably or it's a pwo offer the many stages of an offer right exactly so but what happens is sometimes if you get a commit and you maybe find yourself in a position to where you maybe get a better player, but they are both taking up the same slot, same position, you're kind of like, hey, that offer that we gave you, about that. Right. It's very much like a, you probably should look elsewhere type uh-huh. of deal. And it's not, I don't, I will just say this, it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, that Stone decommitted the, the morning of the night that Draylon Miller was set to decommit. Not at all. It was basically like A&M loses to Tennessee. Oh, that sucks. Right. Wait, Terry Bussey and Draylon Miller took a visit to LSU at the same time. By the way, Terry Bussey just committed like less than a month ago. Oh. Yeah, literally <laughs> oh. on our, our show, on our, our channels. Show. Both, 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 both of them, them did. did. Both but of them did. Bussey was most recently just like a month ago, less than a month ago. So yeah, Then we'll that see. wide receiver decommitted. Yes. And then Draylon Miller decommits. Yes. And now Bussey is like all over Twitter too, like yes. retweeting oh, yeah, Draylon Miller's decommit. He, he, he was also, he was he, liking all the tweets too because I was uh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna go do some digging so I went on Terry Bussey's Twitter and I was yeah. looking at his likes and I was like and he he sent out the eye bro. emoji or like a he sent out the hours yeah, yeah. Drew, no not the no. eye emoji no <laughs> no I think I showed pickle I was sitting with pickle and I was like bro he tweeted out the eyes yeah, <laughs> there's there, some going on here there's nothing but like LSU fans like yeah, oh, let's yeah. go and it's like. <laughs> We'll see. So, it's so obviously, you know, we'll be on top of that story. Greg Powers, follow Greg Powers if you're not on on Twitter. Um, he'll have all the all the info you need. But let's talk about the vibes at A and M because right now they're not great. No. Um, I was talking on Twitter, and it was a, it was an interesting discussion. And it was a good discussion. Uh, Shahan, uh, CBS now, formerly of of DCTF, he tweeted out like, "Hey, what what changed?" You know, he's like, right. in his mind, none of this is surprising. Um, in terms of like what AM's up to now, like in terms of on the field. And I kind of, it was a good discussion. We had a back and forth because I was like, I think everybody, if you would have told somebody in March that AM goes eight and four, right? I think you would have said, yeah, okay, I can see that. That's probably, I think that's what we had him in the magazine. I can't remember exactly. Um, but the thing was, and after Miami, I think you would have said, yeah, that's probably the ceiling, right? After the Miami loss. Then all of a sudden, you had two back to back wins over probably bad. Uh, Arkansas and Auburn teams, but regardless, two back-to-back wins. You had Alabama all of a sudden looking pretty bad. Not bad, but bad for their standards. You had an SEC West that all of a sudden looked a little winnable. Tennessee, who had lost Brew McCoy, one of their top wide receivers. And you were looking at those two games back-to-back saying, 
There's an opportunity here. I was about to say, I don't think opinion of Jimbo Fisher changed. I think what the way I put it was the season kind of threw him a bone. Mm -hmm. The season around him kind of threw him a bone, saying, "Hey, here's a lifeline, right? Because eight and four maybe probably gets it done if you're if you're this is if this is March talking about it. Mm -hmm. Eight and four, you're probably like, yeah, he probably sticks around. Seven wins, anything less, obviously, I don't. I think there's a bigger discussion." Now, I think they're in position for eight and four, but the season presented itself in a way to where that became the floor for me, right? You looked at a beatable Alabama. You looked at a beatable Tennessee, a Tennessee who didn't win in the way that they win. They played pretty poorly on mm-hmm. offense, um, and he still lost. And now you're getting the, the, the vibes check of, oh, these guys are decommitting now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so now, all of a sudden, eight and four, if this was March, you say eight and four, sure, cool, that's fine. Now you're looking at it to where it was like, this is probably like a 10 and two schedule. Actually. I'll, I got two things. Go for it. So the recruiting thing you bring up with the guys decommitting and the vibes, that is a super important piece. Cause even though those guys aren't on the team, like remember Quinn Ewers decommitting was kind of what did Tom Herman in yeah, yeah, yeah. when they didn't have like a losing season. Even mm. it was just, they made four straight bowl games and it was like, look, the recruiting is falling off the map mm-hmm. here. We got to get rid right. of them. It's right. kind of the same thing with Jimbo going on right now. And yeah, good. Also the five and seven year, I always kind of felt like we felt like that was an aberration a bit. Yes, like yes, it was. No, that was like a total collapse of everything went wrong. That wasn't actually how bad the team was. This was not like a rebuild. Right. And I think when those first games happened, the SEC against poor teams, it was like, look, this is the talent talent that AM has. That's what raises the ceiling. And mm-hmm. it's almost like, if not now, when Alabama's down, Tennessee's got injuries, and they're also down. LSU's defense is horrible. Yes. If not now, then when? Then yes, when, and that's, yeah. I think that's where the mood shift kind of came is. Because, you know, like you mentioned, when, when Tom Herman was losing and then they were losing the recruits, it was like, okay, then you just rip it was the ripcord, right? Pull the ripcord, get out of here, and figure it out. With Jimbo, I'm not saying these guys were committing to play under Jimbo as opposed to maybe what AM offers and just AM provides as, a, as an institution. But still, he was able to hold it together recruiting wise, right? So they can go five and seven, but then sign the best recruiting class, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and you can kind of look at that and say, okay, well, there's something here. Now, sure, these guys may be freshmen, uh, sophomores coming into their, you know, that greatest recruiting class ever, maybe freshmen and sophomores coming in. So what really is the ceiling, I think. I think was fair to put it at a modest seven or eight wins. Um, but like you said, it became a if not now when. Mm-hmm. Because once you saw Bama lose to Texas, and not only lose to Texas, thoroughly get outplayed at home against Texas, right? And so you were like, okay, they're beatable. And then you saw, like I mentioned, with Brew McCoy in Tennessee. Okay, Joe Milton's not Hendon Hooker. Brew McCoy was our best receiver. He's out. Okay, there's something. LSU, they seem to turn it around, but early in the season they looked very beatable. Um, I still think they're gettable on defense. Um, and then Ole Miss, who has a pretty good team, but they couldn't beat Alabama. It looked like they had some interesting uh, uh, weaknesses. And so it became a if not now, when. So that's kind of it, – it kind of became a cascading effect after losing to Tennessee because it was like, all right, well, there goes the 50-50 game, and we seem to never win 50-50 games in mm-hmm. the SEC. And so, yeah, now people are looking at it, – it's buyout season, right? That's basically what it's come down to. It's now going back to the idea that – all right, how much is going to cost to get this guy out of here? Because A&M should be better. And based off what they brought in, these guys aren't developing maybe in the way that you thought. But it's not like this buyout goes down enormously after a year right. or two. No, which is which I was about to say, which is why I think this is the year they make a decision on it. Yeah. It's because like, it's not worth, we'll give them the next year. It's like, in the grand scheme of things, it does not, like, you're not going from 20 to 5, 20 million to 5, right? You're going, you're minusing 10, which in the grand scheme of things, 
for A&M, for a top-tier program, that's not enough to where you're like, we're going to give them another year because we need to find $10 million. It's like, no, you can find $10 more million. Well, that also goes to the point of I've got a friend who's a Texas homer, and yep. when, when Terry Bussey committed, he said something along the lines of like, you know, I trust what Jimbo's building. My friend's like, what? Like, what, what is, is he it? building? Right. Like, it's been yes. six years. Yes. I right. was like, I kind of agree yeah. now. No, we've seen Kevin Sumlin recruit well at A&M. We've seen whoever the head coach is, we've seen them recruit well. And I think it's mostly it's it's mostly an indictment on this staff now, right? In terms of developing these guys that you're bringing in, and now you used to be able to just to throw whatever you ha- wanted at these recruits. Now they're like, well, actually, you aren't winning, so I'm gonna go. To well, then you could also you can probably offer me the same amount you are, yeah, and then maybe win. <laughs> I was gonna say you could also offer the card of like, hey, we're the only team in Texas in the SEC, right? But now the team down the road, yep. who is recruiting much much better than you they're are, re- yep, is gonna be on get- that same level as you, exactly. And the team just a couple more miles north in Oklahoma. Exactly. And so it's like now you have two teams in your neck of the woods, and you mentioned your biggest rival coming to you in the SEC saying, all right, yeah, we're coming too. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's another program in LSU just a couple hours that way. Like, so now there's three programs around them that can pull yep. apart those yep. that, that kind of uh, recruiting hotbed that they've been able to establish. So we'll keep tabs on AM, and um, but that's kind of why it's been a little bit of a um, – uh, uh, Shaky. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, yeah, to put it lightly. All right, uh, let's go to the power poll really quick before we get to our games of the week. Mallory, can you throw that up for the sure watchers and for the listeners? We'll run down a little bit. Of course, this is all online at uh, TexasFootball.com. We had a ton of movement this week. We had a ton of movement this week. Um, let's read it out for, yeah. for all that movement. Okay, so we'll go from 1st to 13th, uh, Texas, Texas State, Woo! SMU. Texas State at number two. Let me finish. TCU, Texas A&M, Rice, Houston, UTSA, Texas Tech, North Texas, Baylor, UTEP, Sam Houston. Like I said, go to TexasFootball.com. We have write-ups on each of why these schools are positioned the way they are. All right. Let's get back. Yes, Texas State is number two. <laughs> we were the beginning of the season. We were like, yeah. "How high are these? Can like a team like Texas State or a team like Rice? Like, what is like the ceiling? Yeah, like what's yeah. the ceiling on this Texas Power Poll? Yeah, did we did we think it was going to be number two? Never in Absolutely. my wildest dreams did I see Texas State at number two. I still don't want them at number two. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's happening. I'm still like, I don't like them that high. Um, no, I mean, look, they 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 look like they were going to have a disappointing loss last week. And they came back and won in the most non-Texas State fashion. If you ask anybody who's seen this team for years, that's a game they lose 10 out of 10 times. Um, and they somehow pulled it out. So, yeah, it's been all good vibes. And they have a bye week, so it's going to be probably a week of good vibes because we'll see what happens on the recruiting trail. They're gonna, I know they're hit, uh, the staff is out and about right now. Um, and then they have Troy. We'll talk about that next week. But both teams at 5-2, and two, if Texas State hosts Troy, Troy looks like the favorite in the West right now. If that with a chance to be bowl eligible, like that's a massive game. It's homecoming too, so like mm-hmm. that's gonna be a huge crowd potentially. Yeah, Texas State at number two is insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are, any other big standouts here? I've got one. I got. I mean, I think Rice is too high. Maybe personally. Maybe I think them being idle last week helped. Yeah. Because like I think one they beat Houston, so they kind of kind of stay above Houston. Oh a little yeah, bit. I, t- I forgot um, they beat Houston. Now, now to be fair, somebody's going to look at SMU and TCU say, "Well, TCU beat SMU." Yeah, sure, but I also think that TCU losing the week before last week maybe hindered yeah. some vibes a little bit. I think that if they continue on the same tra- trajectory, I think those will flip naturally. Obviously, since TCU won the head-to-head matchup, but. I mean, I don't disagree. I think UTSA, I think... I think UTSA should be a little higher. I was about to say, I think UTSA, we're still reeling from, like, 
I say disappointing, but like it was such a hard non-conference schedule. Yeah. That like, but like I think we hoped that they would pick one of those off, right? Pick a Houston off, maybe look better against Tennessee. But again, Frank Harris, uh, uh, Josh Cephas, those guys weren't hurt. Or, uh, JT Clark, mm-hmm. those guys weren't healthy. Um, I think UTSA is like the all-injured team. I was about to say. And, yeah. they, and they are getting healthy. Like last, the past two weeks, they've looked like old UTSA a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So I that bye be, week came at the perfect time right, for Right, literally, yes. Frank Harris looks back. So I think that they will be a little bit uh, probably jumping into that six, five spot by the end of this week, maybe the next couple weeks. Um, but I could see, yeah, I could see that Rice being a little too. Let me put it this way. All these teams, Rice, Houston, UTSA, North Texas and Texas Tech are all three and three or three and four in Texas Tech's case. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're all, like, right there, basically. So, we could see a big shift any week now. Mm-hmm. So, that's if you're, if you're looking, if you're watching now, um, you can't obviously see the records, but they're, they're all three and three, and then Tech is three and four. So, that's, like, the only, it's kind of a toss-up when you look yeah. at that six through ten spot, really. All right, so that's the power poll for this week. Uh, remember to keep track on Sundays. Uh, Craven updates those as the weeks weeks uh, conclude, and we'll discuss those on the Sunday recap edition. All right, Mallory. Uh, by the way, uh, you can see that little promo code right there, uh, homefield.com. Um, I, we don't have a, a fixed ad read for this episode, but just go ahead and click it. 15% off your first-time purchase. Uh, I just got a notification that my Love You Owls rice shirt is on its way. Okay. So I'm nice. Very, I'm very pumped about that. So... Uh, if you are support, if you want to support us and give us a little bit of help right there, but uh, go, go buy something from the best, in my opinion, the best retro brand, uh, college brand outfitter out there in home field apparel. Uh, promo code DCTF or support any of the other shows on the Republic of Football Network as well. All right, Mallory, games of the week. You got this is kind of your your show, so I'm just gonna shut up. This is my show. This is my show. This is your point. This is your. I do uh, make bit the rundown. So go my for bit. It. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's start off. <laughs> Number eight, Texas playing at Houston this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch it on Fox. Texas coming in as 23 and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 61. This is super intriguing. We, yeah. I think super intriguing. Carter, I don't know. When did we talk about this exactly? We talked about it a little bit Sunday. Yeah, we did. So, we yeah, Mallory, you weren't, on, you, weren't on the, you weren't on the Sunday recap edition. We, we did like a little bit of a preview because we both agreed that we have no idea what to think about it. No, like, not at all. Like I, what's the spread again? Uh, twenty three and a half. That's a okay. huge. Okay. That's a massive Wasn't spread. Wasn't twenty three and a half spread in like a thirty eight over under or something? Like I thought the line was insane. Sixty one. Sixty one. Oh, sixty. Who? Oh, that was Stats of War, I think. That might have been Stats of War. Maybe. I think it was Stats of War that had like the over-under at like 40 and the spread at 22 and a half. I was maybe. like, how does that what? make sense? How does that even make sense? No. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, There's a typo there. Who? Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like uh, that's a huge – one, that's a huge spread for a conference game. Versus a team yeah. that – again, Houston's not bad. Versus a quarterback that kind of owned Texas last year. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, a, that's a good point. Good um, point. I'm going to pick Houston to cover this. Yeah. Because that's a again big spread for a conference game for a team that's not the worst team in the conference. Like we can agree with that as as much as we may think Houston's mediocre for their standards or right now, they're not the worst team in the conference, and that's worst team in the conference spread right there. Um, how's Texas look after a bye? I don't know. I think they look a little rusty. I think they come out a little slow. They've been yeah. starting slow this year. By the way, we should mention mm-hmm. this is a sold out home game for Houston. This yeah. is like the this is probably to deck you. Yeah, Sold yeah. out at Tadecu. Tadecu Stadium, yeah. Uh, this is the biggest game in Houston, like, recent memory since probably that 
Florida State game that they had non-conference under like the Tom Herman era. I mean, mm-hmm. like this is a massive game because if you remember Dana Holgerson uh, earlier in the year on a radio show, he asked about his per, uh, opinions of Texas, and he said, "quote Screw those guys." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they pretty kept, pretty hard quote. They honestly. kept they like, kept not gonna uh, lie. yeah no it's pretty, pretty hard because. The, you know, politically, Texas was a big reason why Houston couldn't get into the uh, the Big 12. Uh, it's no coincidence that they're getting in now when Texas is leaving. So, this is a massive game for Houston. Also, I did, on that first game of the year when they played UTSA, I did some boots on the ground journalism, and they do not like Texas right. at all. Right, no, like, it, and it goes back to, like, they've felt for the longest time, with good opinion, that they were kind of the big Texas was the big brother keeping little brother out of the room. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, no, go to your room. This is my room. And it was like, it, it became the why, you know, why don't you want, and it was, you know, they don't want, they know that they recruit Houston and they don't want Houston having the same advantages as Texas did for the last 10 years. So yeah, this is massive for Houston. And I think it's not as massive for Texas, but it is like, it is a, a, like a prove it type of game for Texas where it's like, no, prove that you are the big brother that was that was too good to keep this program out, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like staking your place, potentially. And so there's going to be some animosity in this game, I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of animosity, too, when the Texas fans find out there's no bathrooms on the third level. I was going to say. I was going to say, there's that? definitely going to be. Yeah, that's that's one of the insane things. I think uh, Ryan Monso uh, gave us that uh, when, when we met up with him. Uh, before Big 12 Media Day, he was like, yeah, what's going to be the reaction when they realize that there's no bathrooms on the third level? <laughs> what? <laughs> there's no concessions either, right? No. The third, no, there's nothing on the third level. The third level is go nothing. You got to go down to the second <laughs> level. Jeez. <laughs> it's, a, it's It's fantastic. Um, it's but no, fantastic. like, stick. so let, let me ask you this. If Houston pulls the upset, Oof. But, yeah. <laughs> if that happens, how does it good ha- Lord. How, how does it happen? <laughs> Um, How does it Donovan happen? Smith goes nuclear. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas offense is sleepwalking throughout mm-hmm. the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas turns the ball over like three times. Okay. That's how it happens. Yeah. Okay. I could see that because here's the thing. I think Texas almost needs to make mistakes on offense because as we saw against West Virginia, this defense just cannot sustain itself on its own. Houston's defense, I mean. Um they can't sustain itself. So if Texas's offense isn't making mistakes or shooting itself in the foot or Sark isn't getting at is kind of in his groove and is in his mm-hmm. in his own game plan, I think there I don't think there's a chance, right? Cuz then you're asking Houston's defense who hasn't made plays all year to make plays to make plays yeah. against a team that's clicking. I don't know if that's going to happen. So I think yes, it has to be force a lot of turnovers. Right, right. And make things just I think you might have to make the Quinn Ewers game happen. Because like we've been, it's happened. It happened against Alabama, and it's he's kind of been okay. He hasn't been game breaking since mm-hmm. then. He's been okay, but I think that I don't know. I think you're gonna have to because Jonathan Brooks isn't gonna. I don't know if you. That's not how you get turnovers, right? It's it's containing Jonathan Brooks and then making Quinn Ewers maybe stretch the field a little bit. That's where you can kind of switch things up in coverage. I don't know. I, I as you can see, I'm kind of running out of ideas of how Houston, Houston wins this. Yeah. Houston has to throw the kitchen sink yes. at them. No, 100%. And yes. if there's ever a game to do it, it's this game. Sure. Because Dana said it in his press conferences. It's the same thing Dave Aranda was saying. You're going to win one game. You win the Texas game. It's sold out. You're 22-point underdogs. Yeah. Get weird. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. let's get weird. Yes. Yeah. And I will say it's been, it, it is a good thing for Houston that they their offense has shown some consistency since – 
I mean, the UTSA game was no the the TCU game was probably their low point, and it's it's been better since then. Mm -hmm. So, it that has that's been a good point. But they have to have something on defense, just literally any type of havoc or turnovers. So I say they cover, but I say Texas wins. I say Texas covers and wins. Okay. All right. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Correct. Correct. (laughs) All right. Moving on. TCU playing at Kansas State this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. Kansas State coming in as six-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 59. It's the Purple Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> the <You're> Purple welcome. Bowl. <laughs> the way she said that. Producing um, on the fly. <laughs> all right. So there's one factor that determines this game is how much does having tape on Josh Hoover affect yeah, Kansas State's game say. plan? Because, like – I think he looked great for what they needed him to do, and I think he, they kept the game simple. Uh, me and Carter, that was one thing we discussed on Sunday was certain teams putting their quarterback in position to win and succeed, and other teams we'll get to later not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, was that just BYU not knowing what the hell Josh Hoover was able to do and him being able to do things within a confined system and guys like Savion Williams stepping up a little bit and helping out their quarterback? I don't know because now he goes on the road to yeah. Kansas, Kansas State. State. Yes. That's a tough place to play. Noted, okay. not fun place to play. Noted, not fun place to play. And also, it looks like they have that two quarterback system kind of worked last week. Yeah, uh-huh. Avery Johnson had five rushing touchdowns. Uh, Will Howard was pretty good. Like when they needed him to come, in. like they look like they figured something out with that offense. And again, to be fair, to to to, to get apply the same logic, does Avery Johnson? Now that there's film on him, right? Does Joe mm-hmm. Gillespie, is he able to be like, oh, here's what Tech wasn't able to do when they were running him in the run game, and here's what we can kind of contain? I well, don't know. I, I don't think Kansas State should go full Avery Johnson. Sure. No, like, no. I, yeah. No, I, I think don't think, like, I could see Kansas State, like, straight up benching Will Howard in this game and going full Avery Johnson, and Avery yeah. Johnson starts playing like a freshman and making a lot right. of freshman mistakes. I should, I should, yes, I should also, yes, he, he had five touchdowns on 13 carries, right? Like, he was incredibly efficient, but also a lot of it, if you watch a lot of those runs, it's a lot of tech not being around <laughs> when, yeah. he, when he was running. No one was home. Yeah, so, like, I, could, I agree with that. I think they do need to – usually I'm very against this two-quarterback system, but Kansas State seems to found a way that it's worked for them. Um, I don't think they need to abandon it, right, or abandon uh, uh, Howard for him 100%. No, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. and it's like not like Howard has played bad either. Sure, like no, no, no. The year. It's like they were just trying to get Avery Johnson a couple reps, and then he just, like, caught fire, and then they had to bring him out there. Right. Uh, the thing with – T- this TCU game that concerns me is BYU can't run at all, and TCU did a good job stopping them. TCU, I mean, Kansas State's going to try to run it down their throat. Yeah, and very much. we're going to see like if this is a top tier Big Twelve defense this week. Yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to think. One thing that's been really interesting to see, and uh, this is from Jamie Plunkett on Twitter. Of course, if you don't listen to Frogs Insider on the Republic Football Network, please do with him and Melissa. Um, he's been, you know, he's obviously boots on the ground as far as going to press conferences and all that. Everybody just, like, I don't know how much this speaks for it, but, like, everybody, it's very clear to me that, like, everybody just likes Josh Hoover. Yeah. Like, they like the way he prepares. They like the way he treats himself. He carries himself. They like the way he studies the game. He doesn't, like, they, like, from what it looks like, he acts like a freshman where it's, like, he doesn't, he doesn't act like a quarterback. He acts like, what, what can I learn, right, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I don't know how much that, I don't, I don't, I'm not speaking of anything, anybody's opinion of 
Chandler Morris, but like I wasn't getting that vibe from the quotes that they were saying that there's like that level. I'm not saying I don't, again, I don't know the opinion of him, but it's been an interesting change of everybody's tone to be like, you yeah, know, this guy just like there's something about him that we just like. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's it. I don't know how much that plays into it. Well, they also said I was listening to that press conference. They said he's like a really good practice player, yeah. and that he was getting you know new wide receivers who came in the transfer portal to like throw after practice in the summer. Which mm-hmm. a lot of that's coach speak, but sure, sure. I thought it was funny that Sonny Dykes was like, "Look, Max Duggan was not a good practice player." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, he, like he looked really good in games and was really bad in practice. <laughs> that's hilarious. And he said like Josh Hoover is like a good practice player, and then translated that to the game. Yeah, and I think that was why almost Chandler Morris did win the job last year for Max Duggan. Is like Chandler Morris is great pla- practice. practice. Player. Yep. You know. I think uh, one of the interesting quotes that uh, let me see that uh, Plunkett, Jamie Plunkett, tweet out from Josh Hoover said, uh, "Let's see, I have a really good relationship with a lot of those guys. That's something. This is after their win. Uh, that's something we're going to continue to work on. Continue to spend time off the field. The big thing is, I want those guys to know I care about them. I want them to know. I want them to know uh, that I want them to be successful on Saturdays. I'm going to put time in Monday through Friday to tell them, hey, this is where you're going to go. So it's like there's a there's a leadership." factor but it's still like a, a humility about it right yeah and so i'm wondering like he's not a drill sergeant right he's not a drill sergeant and again i think uh, maybe that's coach speak but like there is something to like a freshman having the gall to be somewhat of a leadership figure but also like know your place a little bit mm-hmm. right he's not trying to it's boss seniors right? yeah and so i don't i don't know if that has anything to do with it he looked good and so like we saw a little bit of it come to practice last week against byu does that carry itself I don't know. I'm more optimistic than I was heading to BYU about this team. I'm more optimistic. I'm not ready to crown them yet. No, yeah, 100%. 100%. BYU's defense is a different animal than Kansas State. Well, yeah. Kansas State's is a different animal than yeah, BYU's. Yeah, BYU's defense I, is a puppy. 100%. Right, right. Kansas, Kansas State's yeah. the, the dog. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, uh, what was the spread in this one? Six, uh, six and a half. Uh, I'm taking Kansas State, but TCU to cover, I think. I think I'll take Kansas State to cover just because it's at home. Um, but I do. Th- I, I don't think they'll cover by much, like seven. Maybe. I think TCU backdoor cover. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like I think it's like not really a game, and yeah. then like TCU like backdoors at the very end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, last game of the week: UTEP hosting New Mexico State in yeah. the hundredth edition of Battle of I Ten tonight. Tonight at 8 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. New Mexico State coming in as three-point favorites. The over-under set at 47 and a half. Is it another Cade McConnell game tonight? I was going to say. I think so. I I was reading about this game a little bit, and I – Dana Dimmel did say earlier, like this week, that it's going to be McConnell if Hardison isn't ready to go. But I haven't heard anything yeah, other than that. Yeah, I haven't so. heard anything either. Um, they've seemed to be they've seemed to be like throwing Hardison out there pregame just to like see how he feels, and like it, it's always seemed to be a game time decision the past couple weeks for him. Um, if it is, why not get funky with it? Throw him out there. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I want to see this kid again. I think that no, I agree. I think that. Yes, he's earned the right, absolutely. Because, like, here's the thing. The other quarterbacks they got, ain't it? No. Right? If yeah. it's not Hardison, I think we've seen the offense at a Callan Brownholtz. Nah. Like, this offense needs somebody who's just able. I think it wasn't even that he was lighting up, like, hitting everything on target or anything. He was just willing to throw downfield. Well, that's the game plan of, like, oh, now we got Tavon Cade McConnell's like, yeah. get 40 yards down the field <laughs> and <laughs> jump. Right. Like, right. It's going but it's deep. Like, but it's like, that's like, we've seen, because the Calvin, when, when Calvin Brownholt has been in, he's a running option, but he's not also, like, I don't think he processes the game that way to be able to, like, stretch the field. And you need that when you're, when, when, it's, when this is UTEP's game plan is, like, 
try to run the ball and not really run the ball, then throw it deep. Um, you just need that courage to throw it deep. And he's whether it's because he's a third, fourth string quarterback and just he says, you know what, I don't care, screw it, I'm just going to wing it. Or it, that's just like the way he plays. Whatever, it's worked. It worked yeah. last week, and this is the best that offense has looked without Gavin Hardison by far since – I mean, since Kevin Hardison's been hurt uh, past yeah. couple years, if he hasn't played, it's always looked stop-start until last week. So, uh, by the way, they sh- we should also be giving some big credit to um, uh, Akari's wide, the wide receiver as well, who like uh, Kelly Akari, who obviously broke out and like provided that target to go deep mm-hmm. to. Um, I believe he's at 500 yards now for the year after going into wow. the, going into that game with like 200. <laughs> yeah, he actually Sheesh. went nuclear. Yeah, yeah. so if, if you he, had him on your college fantasy team, like if you Kelly were a Akari, winner. if Kelly Akari is 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 the guy that they needed since Cowing and Garrett left, sure. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully he can do some replicate something similar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, it's Wednesday night, Conference USA. Like, let's get weird. Let's just throw it down the field. Yes. Let's go bombs away. This is a huge rivalry game. Uh, go check out a piece from Craven. Uh, he'll be at. He's at this game. He's actually in a pass on now. Um, he put up a, a a a piece about the rivalry, the Battle of I ten, because it is an interesting. Like, the interesting angle is that in an era of realignment, right? You have mm-hmm. all these rivalries getting torn apart. Um, obviously, last realignment, we saw the ba- the uh, Lone Star Showdown get torn apart for ten years. Um, we're seeing the Pac-12 get ripped apart and all those regional ties and all that. But in the midst of all that, nobody kind of noticed that this rivalry down south between two schools like 40 minutes apart all of a sudden has new stakes because it's the conference rivalry. Conference now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mexico State mm-hmm. wasn't a wasn't – a, I think they were FBS independent for a long time. Conference USA brings them in, and it was like, boom. Okay, all of a sudden, like, this has stakes. And I think Craven said it's been since the 60s. 61. Since, 61 since these teams have played a conference game against each other. Yeah. So I'm going to say, first of all, watch this game. Whether or not you care about group of five football, UTEP, New Mexico, whatever. Watch this game because you're going to see a very, very – I can't even say, like, hostile environment because – New Mexico State's going to travel, <laughs> right? Yep. And mm-hmm. just like if this game was in Las Cruces, UTEP would travel. This is going to be like not a 50-50 game, that's too much, but like a 70-30 probably because New Mexico State's pretty good this season and there's reason for them to be hyped. UTEP's going to want to be like, well, we can't let them fill up the stadium. We got to show up too. So, yeah, I'm pumped for this game. ESPN, when they accidentally renew a group of five regional rivalry. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> accidentally <laughs> renew. <laughs> it's like, see, we did it. Oh. <laughs> we All this realignment was for these two schools. <laughs> so, but no, like, so you have New Mexico State at four and three, UTEP at two and five. Um, obviously, UTEP's trying to scout, save whatever it can this season. Mm-hmm. I believe New Mexico State, let me see. They have a pretty manageable, yeah. They have UTEP, LaTeX, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Auburn for some reason, and then Jacksonville State. So, like, within the next month, they're looking to get bowl eligible. And, of course, UTEP would love just to salvage something of this season. Watch this game. It's going to be fun. I really do think. Um, also, New Mexico State head coach Jerry Kill, one oh, of my favorite coaches. Oh, fantastic coach. I'm glad he's found a, a nice spot for him to just kind of, without a lot of pressure, you know, like they're just kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, go bowling and mm-hmm. kind of keep the program stable. And he's good enough to do that. He's a good head coach. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm very excited for this one. I think New Mexico State pulls it out. Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm very, uh, it is fun to see that is that region of Texas and really New Mexico, that area out there. I've been to both. Uh, last year we went to UTEP, or two years ago we went to UTEP. And then when I was a B rider for Texas State, they played at New Mexico State. 
gorgeous both campuses gorgeous mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. incredible campuses um any high school person listening consider those two schools they're far away but they really are uh environments Pretty. of their own so yeah y'all want another game tonight oh yeah let's do another game? let's do another okay. wednesday okay okay tonight sam houston state hosting fiu at 6 p.m you can watch it on cbs sports network sam houston coming in as five point favorites how how 40 the over under set at four because fiu's bad who, who's but but who are they playing i'm so like you have, fiu must be wearing the miami vice uniforms again that must look, be what it is any sam houston <laughs> fan listening to this i'm not you're oh and five. Oh and six. Oh and six. i got it wrong oh and six yeah. i don't know how fiu's favorite either um <sighs> i just think sam houston's on give up watch Maybe like I just yeah. kind of I just get the sense like when, when you're zero and six it's just very hard. If just, yeah, if we're just talking vibes here, vibes aren't good. No. Yeah, like it's just very hard to like you almost kind of forget how to win. I've said this before. It's like your own six just gets very hard to forget. You kind of forget how to win. Sam Houston offensive stats not good. Eleven points a game, two point four rush yards per carry, sixty nine nice rush yards a game, five point <laughs> seven eight passing yards per attempt. I will say so. It's not good. The one yeah. little check mark I'll throw as I'm looking over FI. I mean, obviously FIU is not good either. The one little check mark I'll throw for them is that we talked about their defense, uh, Sam Houston's defense, kind of starting off stellar and then just kind of hitting a, I don't want to say hitting a roadblock but like there's only so many times you can try to be lights out when you're on the field 45 minutes a right. game it's so very they've given hard. up 35 yeah. 21 and 27 in their three conference games so far FIU in their three conference losses offense has scored 6 17 and 14 so this is probably mm. their first real test to like to where they're by far probably the best unit on the field mm-hmm. in the game probably right like Sam Houston's defense probably the best unit in the game that may be the first time I'm saying that about a Sam Houston True. unit any time this season. So that's the little kernel of, 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 of belief. The offense has found a better groove the past couple. Of, still can't run the ball. Still that's passing the ball on fourth try, and two short of the sit. Still of the trying sticks. to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't, they're still going to try to run the ball. I don't they're know why. Gonna, but yeah. <laughs> at this point, you just got to cut, cut the tie and say, we don't have the offensive line to run the ball. But – they found some semblance of a passing game that's able to move the ball. I mean, they were we, we mentioned it. They were in the Liberty game. They took George, Jacksonville State to overtime. I think this is the week. I think this is the week. If not now, then when? Then when? If not now, this then is when? No. If not of, now, then when? Because, yes. Kennesaw, this is for the season. Here's the thing. Kennesaw State, they're technically not. They're, they're joining the Conference USA. They're not there yet. That's probably it because they're still FCS, or I think they're FBS independent or whatever. Um that may be the last one, but you're you're running out of you're running out of chances. Look, right? still wait. They can't play in a bowl this year, right? No, no, no. no I was can't. about to say yeah. still bowl eligible. No, uh-uh. technically, nope. You're playing for you're playing for pride right now. Um, I I think this is the one. I think this is the one because the, for the first time all year that I've been able to say that they had the best unit in a game, and it's their defense. Okay, so. I'll ride with you. I I'm putting. We all- said that last week though. We, well, here's the thing. That was more me trying to Hoping. just gas them up. Just like, just like, please, this is it. We, this a, is, this is actually, like, we say, actually, is, we were kidding last time. <laughs> like, we're actually serious this, this time. You, you didn't hear that last week. Uh, I will say, one thing. I had my Craven, fingers crossed. <laughs> I think Craven put this out. Uh, one thing that we have not talked about, they're not going to play a Saturday home game until November 4th. Yeah, I All these that. have been midweek games, which is nuts to ask for a college campus wait, to show out. Is, is next week the week? Is that UTEP week? Next week is UTEP week. Next week's UTEP week. 
that's exciting. Depending on the result tonight, yeah. for both games, uh, that I could know. be very Is that very Wednesday night game bowl. next week? That is also a Wednesday night Let's game. Let's go. <laughs> we should do a watch party next week. I was about to say, we do a watch. <laughs> that sounds yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like an anxiety committee. bowl, uh, like if uh, certain results go there. Heart attack night. bowl. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. What's yeah. next, Mallory? All right, uh, let's keep it rolling with the wide zone. Rice playing at Tulsa tomorrow night, Thursday night at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. Tulsa coming in as three-point favorites. The over-under set at 57. Rice needs this one. Before anyone makes a pick, I just want to say I saw from Brett McMurphy on Twitter that Tulsa is attempting to set the Guinness World Record for world's largest beer-tasting event before the game. I saw this. Each person required to taste three beers. I don't know how Rice competes with this. <laughs> Are you telling me they're going to walk into enemy territory as they're trying to set a beer tasting world record and like Hey, unless the players take part in it. <laughs> so then <laughs> That's true. If they're falling short of the record and they're like, "Hey, get over here. <laughs> Do your part." I'm Braylon saying, Braxton, like, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> they're competitive, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Braylon Braxton, we need one more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't That's a good point. Now, here's the other thing. Something Are those fans going to gonna then show up to the game? <laughs> Are the yeah, fans going to then so. show up to the game? They got to make it some way like you have to go to the game. I was about after. to say, like, show me your ticket for, to get this beer tasting. It's yeah. <laughs> kind of like kind of a thing. Maybe. If they do, then yeah, then they're in trouble. If they don't, <laughs> it's like, oh, who cares? It's happening outside the stadium. Who cares about what's happening there? Um, regardless, Rice had a whole – they had a bye week, another team that needed a bye week mm-hmm. to fix – Whatever the hell we've been watching on defense all year. <laughs> they need a bye week to lick their wounds from it, it, losing to 0-5 Connecticut. Yes. No, 100%. Oh, yeah. um, this is a Rice team who we've liked, but who have glaring, glaring weaknesses. And by weaknesses, I mean everybody not named JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey. Let's be honest. It's a quarterback-wide receiver duo we've liked. Oh, 100%. At this point. That's fair. Fine. Yeah, yes, it's been fair. two players that we've liked. Um, and I will say, like, talking to some people on the staff, they know. Like, they, they're not – like, this isn't like a, oh, what are they trying that's not working out? Like, they know. They know they've just been bad on defense and then bad in the run game. So, like, with with two weeks to prepare, not just for Tulsa, but, like, prepare maybe a altered game plan in the run game, altered game plan in the back, in the back half of the defense – Maybe we'll see. I think Tulsa's the right opponent to do to to have after a bye week because it's not you're not going to be so overmatched that it's like whatever no. game plan could go out the window in two seconds. They they lost a I mean they lost a close one at FAU, and they've kind of found their footing in conference, but like they haven't been world beaters necessarily. Tulsa, um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think that they're still also I think still playing Cardell Williams, true freshman quarterback. So I don't think Braxton's been healthy. We'll see, right? If Cardo Williams comes out and starts throwing the ball 300 yards on you, I like him. He was good out of, uh, I think, Spring Westfield. But uh, that, then we're having more problems. I think this is the uh, type of opponent you should be able to get on the right foot against. This one's very similar for me to the North Texas game versus Temple last week where it's the mm. must win because mm. the next three games oh, for Rice. Oh, it's a gauntlet. Yeah, Tulane, SMU, at UTSA. I don't know like yeah. how our middle of the pack – uh, Conference USA Texas teams are just getting these gauntlet stretches <laughs> in Conference USA, but yeah. there actually is no break in between. You play all the worst teams and then all the best teams. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I kind of agree with that. The trajectory is very similar to – and UNT was also coming off a bye, I believe. Was it? Yes. Was it? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it does actually kind of track. Uh, yeah, this is a this is as easy – I mean, they get Charlotte at the end of the year, but like this is about almost as easy as you're going to get for to fix things. Um, they're sitting at 3-3. Three and three. 
kind of. I mean, they obviously they if, to go bowling they need this one because then you like you mentioned the three next games. I mean, can you even? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, can you then, even squeak one out against Tulane, SMU, or UTSA? Then you got Charlotte. That's I mean, possible. Right, and, and then, then you got then you got to beat FAU. FAU. Yeah, no, it, it's not easy. No. which makes the which is kind of to which his you point, need which this makes one. this one. Yeah, I'm I'm doing it. I'm putting bat signal must win watch. Okay, on this one. bat signal must win okay. watch on Rice and, and UTEP. Oh, and Rice and uh, JT Daniels and, and Rice. So, and also you're also you're also wasting. An incredible year from <laughs> Jackie Daniels. Like, I know. An incredible season from him. Uh, yeah. So if I, not, if yeah. not win, like it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like not not win. Win. they got JT Daniels. Just like we figured it out. <laughs> and then everybody, yeah, the whole plane collapses except like the driver's seat. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm gonna put it. Yeah, and I'm gonna put it as a win. Right. I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go win too. They had a, they've had two weeks to prepare for a true freshman quarterback. Get it done. Get it done. All right. SMU playing at Temple Friday. Man, we've got college football games on every single night for the rest of the week. October 20th at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. SMU coming in as 20-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 55. I really, truly don't think SMU has anything to worry about in this one. I don't. Especially I would EJ like this. EJ I mean, we can keep hurt. this one. We can, yeah, EJ, if EJ Warner's hurt, we saw Quincy Patterson throws the ball. He can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, this one is a – which I just don't know if we'll see it because I would love to see – if the offense has just like That's can, what style points, some style points, but I also don't think Rhett's going to do that though? against Temple. But this no. is also, okay, I don't think they have anything to worry about in like terms of taking a loss here, but right. if this offense doesn't kind of get it figured out versus Temple and they still look really stagnant, no. feast or famine, then I'm kind of worried. That's fair. That's fair. Like, I was listening to Rhett Lashley's press conference, and he's talking about they're just so feast or famine. You know, yeah. it's either like a TD or like a minus one yard gain. And like Preston Stone, he kind of just like running around trying to play hero ball a little bit too much instead yeah. of hitting checkdowns. And it's not just him, it's the entire offense kind of going for home runs. I think they're, I think they're also like us. They're kind of wait. I think they may be pressing a little bit trying to get it, right? Because they, yeah. they know the offense they're trying to replicate from the past couple of years. And, I mean, we've talked about it. They just don't have the players to do exactly that. They're efficient. They're a top 40-ish offense. But, like, I think people are used to the top 20 that they've been the past couple years. But here's the thing. Why why do you need to do that? You don't. Because the rest of their schedule, they don't need to to do that. The rest of their schedule doesn't call for that. I think the issue is when they feel like, and just by the law of averages, they feel like it's going to happen to where they're going to need to sometime. Yeah. Right? Whether it happens against – the two games I have circled are UNT and Rice. Two teams that have bad defenses, but have offenses that yeah. can absolutely catch you slipping, right? And what happens when you play a team that's going to push you a little bit to where they're not exactly going to – they don't have a chance to get blown out in a loss, but, like, you could easily fall your, call yourself find yourself behind, like, right. 21 to 10 to mm-hmm. either of those teams. And you're like, oh, this defense is bad. We should be able to torch them. And so – I think that's what it is, and they're also trying to go yeah. for the conference championship. That's right, true. exactly. Yeah, so, and it's like eventually you're going to have to play a Tulane. You're going to have to play, uh, I mean, probably Tulane, honestly. Um, yeah. And that's a team that has both sides of the ball working out pretty well. So, I think yeah. that's that's my thing. Is I don't think they have to. To your point, I don't think they have to, but I think they know they're going to need, need to it in yeah. the future. Yeah, so. I get that. Okay. All right, a team that also needs a desperate win this weekend Baylor playing Ooh. at Cincinnati this Saturday October 21st at 11 a.m. you can watch it on Big 12 Network or ESPN plus Cincinnati coming in oh, as three point no favorites. 
Cincinnati a on a four-game losing streak. bad Cincinnati Neither team. of the new teams 50. have won in the Big 12 yet. Is Baylor going to be the one to let one of the new teams They have win? to. This yeah. Cincinnati team is awful. Yeah. They if, barely sorry, beat sorry, a bad Sorry, I should, I should revise team. that. Houston won. But, I mean, the other – UCF, uh, BYU, and uh, Cincinnati have not won yet. Uh, Houston, of course, won last week. They were the first team to actually win a conference game out of the New Bloods. Um, yeah, they have to. If Baylor, Baylor has to. If Baylor loses this one, the season's over. Like, it's so ha- over. I mean, yeah. Yeah. they've it's, got the best player on the field in Blake Shapin. I mean, yeah. he's going to easily be the best player that touches that field. Yeah. You know? and Cincinnati's not in a good spot right now. Um, Emory Jones, this is the year. <laughs> yeah, Emory Jones on year 17. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And they – actually, I think – sorry. I think BYU's only conference win is against Cincinnati, which I don't count. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not counting if they beat each other. Um, so, to correct my previous statement. But it has to be Baylor. Baylor has to win this one. I don't know I'm which sorry. team's going to win, but neither team's going to have fun. No, this no. is going to be the most unwatchable <laughs> game. I'm, I'm going to have both these Twitter accounts from these fan bases on my watch. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, how miserable are both these guys watching? It's like 17-6. Yeah. to six. This has this has a Sicko's committee written Oh, yes, it. very much it. so. This has drive chart, just like punt, 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 missed field goal, punt, fumble. <laughs> Looking like the Big Ten out here. Also, yeah. so – can we, should we talk about the Bruce Feldman, Coach's hot seat temperature checks? Yes. Okay, so yes, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, so Bruce Feldman did put mm-hmm. out his uh, his feeler for the midseason. Um, Which, by the way, a lot of Texas coaches on that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll <Oops>. see. Um, <laughs> one in particular Oops. that caused a little bit of discussion was obviously Dave Aranda, but not for the reason maybe you think. Bruce Feldman seems to think, talking around to people, that he's fairly safe. and But, one, because it helps to be likable. I think a lot of people like him as a person and a personality. It's easier to give those guys more chances. But apparently his staff may not be. The rest of his staff. My question is, why does he get to do that again? (laughs) Because his first year he came in, Larry Fedora was his offensive coordinator. They were 125th. He fires Larry Fedora, brings in Jeff Grimes uh, and Eric Mateos. Mm -hmm. Obviously won the conference, but it's been what it's been since then. Why, in my opinion, does he get to do that again? Right. In my opinion, he's had one year of a good offense. Yeah. And well, it's it's not it's not him. It's just the guys he's handpicked to do the job. It's not the guys. It's not him. It's just the guys he's handpicked and the players he's brought in personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's fine. So, so math is not math in here. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Bruce, uh, he I, uh, he obviously knows that anybody uh, anything can happen. Like if they go over, obviously things are going to change. But like I think if they see kind of the season panning out the way it is, like four wins or whatever. Um, I think that's what he's kind of reading the room right now. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't see what holding on to him when you kind of know he, he quote-unquote fixed his idea of the transfer portal this offseason. Hasn't worked. He thought he fixed the quarterback position. Hasn't worked. All that mm-hmm. stuff. So, I don't know. Well, Blake Shapin's been better. The offensive line's been really bad. Right, exactly. But also, that's supposed to be the thing that Eric Mateus, who was brought in from BYU, to fix. And then he brought in two offensive linemen from BYU BYU. who worked with in this system, and it hasn't worked. worked. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of Twitter clips of of them from Baylor fans. Yeah, it has not been good. Um, So go check out that piece from Feldman because, yeah, if you want a a good read on that situation. And we'll obviously have some more if everything comes out, but that's kind of what we're hearing as well is that he may be kind of – held on and he just may have to climb a clean house so yeah <laughs> all right let's move on unfortunately north texas playing at number 23 tulane this saturday at 2 30 p.m Ooh. you can watch it on espn 2 tulane coming in as 20 point favorites the overrunner set at 63 here's the thing i think tulane will win 
I think North Texas will cover. cover. And here's – I think this is a chance, even in a loss, for North Texas to really, really help their fan base out and turn uh, turn their perception around. Because I think last week helped. They had a, finally had a, two good, uh, a good two-way performance. If they come out and they hang 28-plus on Tulane – On a ranked team. On a ranked team. Again, they're probably going to give up 50-plus. But, 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 <laughs> That's but, not the point here. But the offense if, is the point. Right, I was about to say, like, if they can come out and just make them bleed – all of a sudden, you're like, oh, the season's not over. Like they still, they can, they just need three wins, and it's a tough slate, as we talked about with this with conference with AAC. It's doable with this offense. It's doable. Yeah, we'll I. It's I, tough. I'm kicking them to cover. I think Tulane still wins. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a way North Texas wins this game, especially because it's at Tulane. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> say, I think the fan base, speaking as a fan, yes, I think the fan base would be happy with. North Texas covering, you know, mm. a one to two touchdown loss. I think they would be happy with it. And I think that could possibly kind of help chug the season along a little bit more. Is yeah. how many wins is North Texas at currently? They're, at, they're at three and three. Three and three. Yeah. Okay. And then the rest of their schedule is kind of a gauntlet. So yep. I think this one, as long as they can stay competitive in it, you know, keep it close and then look ahead to next week. Yeah. You know what? If North Texas win this game, I'll buy you a Costco pallet of cocoa butter Vaseline. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! Okay, we have to win now. We have because he steals all my cocoa butter gasoline. Wow! I know I'm in debt. Mallory's fight. converted the whole office to like using that on their chapped lips, and apparently everybody's just like, <laughs> apparently that's their new currency with her. Yeah. Okay, okay, you heard it here. I'll shake, shake you on it. Air shake. That is amazing. <laughs> Just brought in, brought in the listeners on our inside office banter. <laughs> I'm convinced that actually chaps your lips out too, because I used it like twice, and now I'm like, I'm on like withdrawal. Like I need it, probably. <laughs> like, like, nah. Until I explain that, Ugh. everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> Everybody listening's like, "What? Why would you? <laughs> why would you buy?" <laughs> oh God, that's amazing. Okay, yeah, um, I think they cover, but yeah, that's it's it. Pat's victory is very limited. It more involves more Tulane messing up than North Texas. Yeah, true. All wow, right. I need this win for Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna call up Coach Fritz, and be like, "Listen, let me talk to the team." Look, I got, I got excited. I got, I'm in a bind here. Here's the thing, too. Like, I don't want the small thing of Vaseline. I want the big thing of Vaseline. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Oh God. All right, let's keep it rolling here. <laughs> UTSA playing at. FAU this Saturday at 5 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. UTSA coming in as three and a half point favorites. The over under set at 60. Yeah. Uh, what's the status on Trey Moore? Do we know? Is he just out? I don't know. He got Conference USA Player of the Week, though. No, American Athletic Conference USA Player of the Week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if he's back to being back, then okay. And this defense is doable. Um, they're still not good, but he is their defense basically right now. Um, the problem is this FAU team is coming off like their best performance last week against UCF or USF. Tom Herman effect, baby. Yep, I guess so. Uh, where they just absolutely destroyed USF. Um, so I, I, I'm going to pick UTSA, but this is a game I'm kind of worried about because like, I don't know m- enough about FAU to be able to say comfortably that UTSA should win. Or what? So I know nothing about FAU. No, yeah, no. It's it's Case Thompson has not been playing. It's been uh, Daniel Richardson, I think, and I don't can't say I knew much about him, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm still picking UTSA because they've looked what we've ex- more close to what we've expected them to look like the past couple of weeks. And uh, if Kavorian Barnes can hold on to the ball and give that uh, Frank Harris some balance, 
I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. Cool. All right, let's round it all out with Texas Tech. Oh, God. Playing at <laughs> BYU this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. Texas Tech coming in as four-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under, 52. BYU is looking at Jake Strong and saying, not again. Yeah. <laughs> they are not letting another freshman come in no. and beat them. <laughs> no. uh, Look, there. This is. Uh, you can just let me just give you an experiment for all the fans who aren't tech fans, who want an opinion of the temp- the temperature gauge of tech fans right now. Go on Twitter, and look up Zach Kidley, or look up Taj Brooks. Just search their name, yeah. and you will get a very fair assessment of where the fan base is. Or right now. watch the Monday morning coaches press conference and look at the YouTube comment section live chat <laughs> as it's going through. Yeah. Look, they lost they lost last week because they threw thirty times in one half with the freshman quarterback. Um and he threw three picks. All right. So like, watching their press conference was very funny because as Zach Kittley's talking, the comment section is like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Where's um, Taj Brooks? Okay. So basically Zach Kittley's explanation was when we were putting Jake Strong in, we knew they were going to pack the bo- box and blitz. So therefore we needed to throw. Okay. There is a point in like taking what the defense gives you, but also yes. there is like, you need to control what the defense does as right. well. Like you right. can't just like, and also has the defense not been focusing on Taj Brooks this whole time? <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly. like has Baron Morton been like, well, we got to drop eight to stop Baron. Morton. And <laughs> let me tell you something. Zach Kittley also said BYU's MO is to stop the run. So get ready for another game of abandoning the run oh, game and throwing oh. it out. 60 yeah. times. Let's start 60 times with Jake strong. Uh, I mean, look, they were literally on pace to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm picking Tech to win this because BYU hasn't been impressive. Mm-hmm. And I think that a week to prepare – obviously, it's different throwing Jake Strong in in the middle of a game. You don't have a game plan for him. So, I guess you just stick with the same one you were having with Baron Morton. I don't know. But they have a week to prepare. Uh, they've had a week of listening to a lot of critics. I'm not saying that coaches listen to critics all the time. but Nor should they. Nor should they. But I'm saying that there's like – all right, maybe maybe people are – Maybe maybe there's something right, or or just Joey getting in his ear, being like, "Hey, maybe we should run the ball." Well, it is like running back. It's weird because I they threw out some stat where it was like Taj Brooks is sixth in rushing attempts on the year, right? Um, but there is just times where he like looks like he's actually not like he's just out of the offense. Sure, no, hundred percent, no, I get that. And yes, there's that's to be fair, he is like top ten in carries, but to me that just goes to show you like I still don't like. To me, it's this how like you mentioned it's how. Last week, at the, at the end of the first half, I think he had 13 carries, which is good. That's a good uh, uh, number to have. That means you're on pace for about close to 30. He finished with 17, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's what we mean. And ironically, it's been since their starting quarterback has been out uh, that they were finally using him because Tyler Shuck, was mo- we've talked about how he was more involved in the run game. Tosh mm-hmm. Brooks had 11 and 7 carries in their first two games. Since then, he's at 19, 25, 21, 31, and then last week you mentioned 17. So I don't know what changed when Tyler Shuck went out versus when Jake Strong came in and Baron. I don't know why it's fluctuated with mm-hmm. the type of quarterback they've had. I think he should just be a 20 carry back regardless. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree. Yeah. Also, someone to watch out for is Texas Tech. Look, they beat Baylor on the road, so they kind of got the monkey off their back a little bit. But sure. going to Provo to play, not, not, not easy. Kinda, not easy. Not yeah. easy. Not easy. So we'll see. Um, I – I, I do worry now that you mentioned that BYU is really good against the run that they're just going to be like, well, we can't do that today. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Um, what's Tech at right now? Three and four? It's like they want us to throw at the freshman quarterback, so we have to. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, 
I'm just going to rattle this off. So they're three and four right now. BYU, TCU, Kansas, UCF, and then Texas. They end the year at Texas. There are three wins in there very easily. There's mm-hmm. potentially four wins in there very easily if you look right. Something has to turn around, and it's going to be with, at the very least, at the very least, a balance attack, right? Yeah. At least a 50-50 offense. You can't throw this kid out there like they did last week. Because they were up also, and they ended up losing. I don't know. Look, I'm a guy who has gone to a school where we've had a quote come back to bite us in the ass. Yeah. That um that Joey McGuire everything runs through Lubbock is just like spammed on Twitter every single time they lose. Yeah. Like I just like every it's like cue that video. Yeah. Of, everything runs through <laughs> Lubbock. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not fair because they didn't even know there was a camera there. But I was about it's to like, say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't count. Okay. It's still, still kind of funny. Everything runs through Lubbock except the offense. Also, Sam Ellinger didn't know there was a camera on him when he sent it either. So True. you know. So it doesn't. Count. not fair it doesn't count <laughs> the only people that do not run is us and we mean the ball so uh <laughs> nice. <laughs> so nice anyway please shut me up because i'm tired of talking about this offense not running the ball when knowing that they can yeah. uh and it's not just because Taj brooks is from Maynard. Maynard. i was i was just about to it's say that i was just about to say that <laughs> I, have the numbers. I haven't mentioned him being from Maynard once i mentioned the numbers and i need my guy putting up numbies because he can okay mm-hmm. so help my boy out he's this is last year uh Correct. Get in the NFL. Come on now. All right. That will do it for us. Carter two games, has, uh, two uh, games on bye weeks. Yes. Texas A&M and your beloved Finding Schmales. Absolutely. They we need, need that bye week. We need that rest, yeah. baby. And then A&M needs to absolutely lick their wounds. So right. uh, anyway, so that'll do it for us this week. Please subscribe to Republic of Football on everywhere you get your podcast. Thank you for watching or listening. Uh, we'll listen to any of the other shows as well. Uh, be sure to check TexasFootball.com. Remember promo code DCTF for home field. And we will be back with you on Sunday for a recap edition, uh, bringing you all the results and all that stuff. And we'll see you then. Or if you want to join us again next week, we'll see you then as well. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call. You have an off week. You have time. And then, Mallory, can I say it? No. I'm still hurting, okay? Still? Rutgers plays football this week. We'll see you later.